Welcome to the Holistic Counseling Podcast, where you discover diverse wellness modalities, advice on growing your integrative practice, and grow confidence in being your unique self. I'm your host, Chris McDonald. I'm so glad you're here for the journey. Welcome to today's episode of the Holistic Counseling Podcast. I hope everyone's day is going well. I don't know about you, but I've been feeling a sense of isolation online because I no longer have my in-person practice. So this has been a struggle that's been kind of creeping up on me and just that feeling at the end of the day that I'm not connecting enough with other therapists and especially those who get it because our field is so different from other fields. So I was looking for options for connecting with other therapists, finding community, and I was so excited to come across the Teletherapist Network created by Dr. Catherine Esquire. The Teletherapist Network is the only private consultation community for the next generation of therapists. Catherine is passionate about eliminating isolation and burnout in the field of mental health. By prioritizing connection and community, the Teletherapist Network brings together forward-thinking therapists to create unparalleled success in their clinical skills, professional businesses, and personal lives. Welcome to the podcast, Catherine. Thank you so much, Chris. It's great to be here. Can you share more about yourself and your work? Yeah, absolutely. So like you said, I founded the Teletherapist Network, but I also happen to be a clinical psychologist in practice in my rural town of in Pennsylvania, central Pennsylvania. And I absolutely love what I do uh, clinically, but I knew that there was such a need for therapists, especially post-pandemic world, to connect on a, on a deeper quality level, more so than we get perhaps in those thousand plus person Facebook groups. So that's why I created the network. It really focuses on connecting quality clinicians for clinical consultations and sharing of resources. We can work smarter together uh, as long as we do that with the right group of people. So that is, that's why I created the network. And when I'm not working clinically or growing the network, um, I have two toddlers who I love to spend time with um, and my husband and my sister. And it's just this full house of, of energy that is an amazing break from sitting in front of a computer. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. So can you describe what the Teletherapist Network is in detail? Yeah, so we do a lot of different things. You know, it kind of started as this just private community for asynchronous communications. When I say asynchronous, I mean like forum-based where someone posts a question and we all answer. It started, just started as a private community away from social media. It started in July of 2020, which we all know we thought the pandemic- I know, right? Well, we thought the pandemic was going to end shortly thereafter, and it did not. So it started that way, but it quickly grew to a lot of different live events and live consultation groups. And that's mainly what we do is we offer consultation groups for clinicians looking for that clinical support um, and social support. So that's our, that's the main offering, but it obviously comes with so much other things that, you know, Chris, you can, you can attest to being a member of the network, which is how we got connected. Um, We, being the only clinical consultation uh, community for clinicians out there, 
we attract some pretty incredible experts in our field, um, in the field of mental health, authors, influencers, researchers. Um, they want to connect with high caliber clinicians, and that is what we are at the network. So we have a lot of those guests who ask to come on and speak to us, share their work with us, share their resources with us. So we have over 40 different master classes that were uh, live events that we've recorded for everyone, all members, new and old to watch. And at least once, usually two to three times a month, we have additional masterclasses where we have guest experts come on and teach us something new. So, I mean, it ranges, the guest experts range from financial gurus to uh, clinical supervisors. Um, we have one coming up uh, this Friday, actually, with improvisation in the therapy room. Interesting. So really, yeah, really neat topics that I would not have been able to get exposed to otherwise. So it's, it's a really fun community. We really try and support the whole clinician, both clinically, business resources, and also socially. You know, we have a monthly book club where we read for fun and for, and for work. And it's just a really great place to connect with clinicians that you wouldn't, to develop peer relationships that you would not have crossed paths with otherwise across, you know, state lines. We have clinicians from other countries um, across uh, license types. It just really attracts the highest caliber clinicians out there. And so I'm really, really fortunate that I've been able to grow my network by creating the network. And <laughs> <laughs> grow your network by creating it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. And I got to say, as a, a member, I've just started and, and we were talking before I hit record about how it can be difficult a little bit at first to navigate. But Catherine yeah. has made the made it so easy, though, with um, an introductory video to help you go through it. And there's like a feed you have that you can see yeah. when people post things. And, and I like how you can just post questions about anything private practice related. I was like, this is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so it definitely, it, there's a lot going on. And so most people, they don't engage with all of it, but they, they, they take what they need. Right. And they, and they give what they can. That's the best thing I think about our members is that I was just talking to another member, Ali Joy, about this, that it's not a place where people just take, take, take. All the members who engage give of themselves and give of their clinical skills and recommendations and advice. Where in some free Facebook groups out there, it, it does feel very, very take, 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 where people ask questions, but they never, they never give back right. to the community. So we're really lucky to have a good group. I love my Facebook groups too, but I always feel like there's something missing in that. Yeah. And it's, I mean, you're connecting, but you're not connecting in some ways. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think what was missing for me, and that's the whole reason I, I started the network was because I was a member of the Facebook groups, but they were either overly, overly regulated to the point where I was afraid to right. ask anything or they were under-regulated where it was kind of a free-for-all and overwhelming. So I didn't feel like there was a place where I could go. I kind of liken it to when I was in graduate school, like the break room in my graduate school or the you know lobby of our building where we all, all the students and all my classmates and I congregated before or after class and where we got to pick each other's brains clinically and personally and see how we're doing and check in and support 
support each other on different levels. There wasn't, there's not that area out there for us who have graduated and work in private practice by ourselves. So I was really trying to replicate that opportunity. Now it's up to members to take advantage of it, right? (laughs) You're not just going to join and have instant deep connections, but the opportunity, the space, the environment to create those friendships um, and those deep peer relationships too. So yeah, it's been a journey. It's been a journey of learning how to build community and sustain community. Um, now how do you do that? Because it's an online platform. Yeah, that's a great question. So there's a lot of buzz going around out there right now about um, community building online. And I think it started with the Facebook groups, right? Where every, every if you had a digital product or you had something to market, you had a Facebook group where you would collect all your potential customers, and then hopefully they convert. And that's not necessarily community. A community is like-minded people coming together on the same journey, right? Moving towards similar goals on the same, not necessarily the exact same path, but working as a, as a whole towards something. And so I really was able to dive into a lot of the psychological literature out there. And there's some really great resources on community building and what it takes to not only build a community in person, but what it takes to build a community online, which is a whole different ballgame and being able to pull people, have motivate people, have people feel safe enough to be able to share some vulnerability through their computer screen and make connections with, um, you know, out of a large group of people virtually. And so it's been, it's been quite the learning process and I, I've enjoyed it. It's, it's kind of tapped into a totally different area of psychology for me, uh, going from one-on-one individual work to now building community among clinicians. And it's, it's been fun. It's been really, really fun. Is there certain types of therapists that might benefit from this more than others? Yeah, I would say that the the people who get the most out of the network are those looking for more social support. And social support is such a broad term where people might be looking for business building or private practice building social support or clinical social support or personal, you know, just being a therapist as a human. Like I I need support in that sometimes. Like how do we let go of our work day at the end of the day? So anyone really out there looking for social support, I think would be a good fit for the network. We, we don't, you know, there's a lot of groups out there that primarily focus on private clinicians in private practice. And that is not us. We do have a lot of members in private practice, but we also have an own, I think, equal number of those clinicians in agency work or working in organizations who still feel socially isolated. They do have peers, but they don't have the environment or atmosphere at their job to get this type of network support behind them. And so they really benefit from joining the network too. And can you talk about the types of consultation groups you have? Yeah, well, we have a lot of, uh, we originally started off with general consultation groups. So just, you know, drop in. Um, I host one on Monday evenings and my friend Ryan Coventry hosts one on Friday afternoons. And they are just drop in, anything goes, any topics, clinical topics or personal topics can be explored in a safe group. But then as we continue to grow, our members reached out to me and they said, hey, I have this really great skill that I would love to share with the network. Can I host a consultation group? For instance, um, my friend Allie Joy, who joined and I met her through the network, she is a registered art therapist and she hosts um, once a month a creativity in the clinical room where she teaches 
members how to a new creative intervention to bring to the clinical room that they can do with supplies they have around their house. And so she came and she was like, I would love to teach this. And so she ran, she runs her own consultation group. And then we had other members who say, Hey, uh, you know, I'm a couples therapist or I'm a child and adolescent therapist. And I would really like a consultation group that focuses around that specific topic. And so we have those consultation groups, topic specific, like EMGR, uh, couples, a child and adolescent. We And then we have members who said, hey, you know, I'm a member of this community and it shows up differently in clinical work. And I would love to be able to connect and process with other members of my specific community. And so we have, we have consultation groups based around identities. We have an LGBTQ plus clinician group launching next month. And we have clinicians of color consultation group where clinicians who identify of, of color come together um, they meet twice a month and they get to process together and lean on each other and develop that sense of community, even smaller, a more intimate community within the larger network. So we're really, really member driven and member led. If a member has a need, we try and meet it and we we create what we need to create to, to lift us all up. A rising tide lifts all ships, I think is the phrase. Nice. <laughs> um, and like so that. we try and do that for everybody. Yeah. And I just want to talk for a second about my experience so yeah. far because I've, I've only gone to two <laughs> and, and tried to fiddle my way through, you know, all the information and I haven't taken master class yet. I do want to look at those and haven't made it there, but there's I think that's so ones. helpful Yeah, <laughs> it, that there's so many things that you can look at. But I will say even last night I went to the Monday night one. It was just so interesting, the variety of therapists in the group. And it just came, it dawned on me, like it just came to me that Wow. You know, part of this, I think you mentioned this when someone said that we've all been there. It's that feeling, that universality that, you know, somebody was talking about, you know, getting pushback for enforcing a fee, right? For a late fee, which, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, especially private practice people are like, (laughs) been there, done that many times. (laughs) But that's so true. But it's like, wow. So we are all connected. It just reminded me of that, that feeling that we're not alone in this. And even if things don't go well in our daily routines that, you know, on this network, you can go and connect with others who may be experiencing the same thing. Yeah. It's so normalizing, validating. Normalizing, that's the word. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's one thing I learned. I, I did my residency, my postdoc at a college counseling center. And the one thing I learned, I learned many things. I actually loved the training there was that, if I'm, if I'm going through something 9.5 times out of 10, someone else in my department has also gone through something similar. Right. And so having that environment, that safe space of trusted colleagues where I knew them and they knew me was invaluable. And I really missed that when I left. And that, that is something that like I said about the the grad school break room, I'm equally trying to create that environment, environment in the network. Yeah. Yeah. The grad school break room, (laughs) the water cooler, right? (laughs) That's funny. But I also think that as I was, you know, listening last night too, it's just such an awesome space to have that available. Cause I think someone else mentioned something that just happened, right. That Uh they haven't even processed and, and how powerful is that? And I think of all the things in my day that go unprocessed or I just have to think about it by myself. (laughs) Like maybe reach out to a friend and who knows when we're going to catch up with each other. And that's kind of the problem, right? We can make connections in our community or online, but you know, if it's not purposely set for that, 
well, when are you available? When can we? Yeah. <laughs> then it becomes a, a whole thing, right? That mm-hmm. are already busy days to to find that space, but to be able to have that too with unexpected things that pop up that maybe you've never dealt with. What an amazing resource for self-care. And because I think that if we don't, and I noticed this with myself, now that I'm all online, it's just, it builds up, mm-hmm. right? With our mm-hmm. our emotions and so many things that we become dysregulated if we're not able to do other self-care too. It's just, it just is too much cumulative effect, I guess is what I'm thinking of. Oh, absolutely. And we not even cumulative effect in our work, but also in our lives yes, like with our own yes. personal relationships. It shows up. Yeah. Yeah. Last, last night's group was really great because we had two members uh, come in and said, right before this, yeah. I had something happen that I needed to process. And it was so great to have that space already available for them that, you know, like you said about reaching out to a friend. So often that feels or can feel burdensome or like we're taking, but these spaces, you know, we have multiple consult groups that are available to everyone multiple times a week where those spaces are readily available that you are not, you are not asking for something that isn't already there. And it makes it easy to be able to show up for yourself. Yeah, that's it, right? Showing up for yourself. Yeah. And yeah. But I think everybody is so helpful on there too. Cause at first it was kind of like, who do I say anything? <laughs> that, that shyness, right? Sure. I'm, sure. I'm really not shy anymore. But yeah, it was it's initially, of course, you're you have to go in just like, okay, just give it a go. See, see what comes up. But I don't know if you mentioned it somewhere too, that that having like a, a therapeutic question. Uh-huh. It's helpful for this kind of group too to say, hey, this is one area I'm struggling with. Anybody got ideas? And- yeah, that's one thing that I haven't found out there that there aren't groups focused on clinical skills. Uh, yeah. business building sure. groups, but clinical skills, like you need that space as a therapist, safe, protected, confidential space, more importantly, to be able to say, you know, there people, I was actually just on the network right before hopping on this recording and someone, you know, just posted, I won't give away too much information out of respect for privacy, but someone just posted, Hey, I need to be checked on this boundary. Like, what do you, how do you think I handled this boundary? It was regarding scheduling and no showing, but calling, it was, it was a complicated boundary setting. And, you know, this person was clearly going through some internal struggles of how to handle this like right now. And she was able to go into the network and asynchronously post, Hey, boundary check. Well, how do you, how would you handle this? What do you think? And get feedback almost, you know, in the moment and being able to get that off your chest and be able to get that oh, authentic yes. feedback. And it, I can't emphasize this enough, this safe, private, confidential space, AKA not on social media. That is so huge. And I think that is, yeah. And the more, the more you post, the more you get out of it. So I so encourage you to post. (laughs) Exactly. And I'm thinking about Facebook groups because, you know, I've developed my own Facebook group and we have some connection, but I think it's different too, when you're, you know, live face to face than, you know, when we're, what is the, is asynchronous or I forget when it's not at the same time. Asynchronous. Yep. Yeah. 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 I think Facebook groups absolutely serve a purpose. I just think they need, they serve a different different, purpose. Um, Like if I were looking for networking or, you know, connections or finding resources across a broad, broad, broad group of people, very like general resources, that does make sense. You know, you're not going to get 
50 replies on the network for a request for a resource, but you're going to get 50 replies for worksheets on a Facebook group. Um, I do think they serve different purposes. And I think sometimes because it was the only thing available to therapists for so long and it was easy, I do think that some people, you know, are trying to meet needs that are just difficult to be met on Facebook groups. No, good point. And I noticed too, in some other groups, not my group, of course, but (laughs) there's drama and some people will post something that, you know, they don't think it's going to cause any issue and they think it's not a problem. And then all of a sudden you next know that there's like the comments are turned off. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's what made me scared to post. (laughs) Yeah. That's it, isn't it? It's like, okay, who am I offending? Or did I say this the wrong way? Or people not taking out of context or, or judginess. Cause I think you've probably witnessed that as well. Yeah. As therapists where a lot of us are really, you know, open-minded, generous people, but there is some amount of judginess on Facebook groups at times. And I think that also goes, speaks to, you know, you can't, Facebook groups are occurring on Facebook. Like you can't separate, like you can do your best to develop a inclusive, supportive environment within a Facebook group on Facebook, but you're still like, it's still showing up in the feed with this person's other posts and comments from their neighbors or from, and I think that the overall vibe or culture on Facebook is not as, is not really right for when we're doing clinical consultations. True. Yeah. So what about confidentiality? So if people start talking about clients, how does that work? That's a great question. And something we dove into before launching our first clinical consultation groups. And that is, you know, it's really up to us as clinicians to protect patient confidentiality. And so, you know, as with any, any consultation, even if it's in-person one-on-one with a supervisor, you know, you're really only in most state um, guidelines, depending on your license, they say only release the minimum amount of personal information necessary to get the good consultation, to get a, to get necessary for the consultation. So if your client's, you know, sexual orientation has no relevance to a particular, maybe they canceled and you, you need to, you know, uh, consult about boundaries on cancellations, then you shouldn't be disclosing all of this personal information that could identify the client. So it's really up to us as clinicians, both, you know, inside and outside of the network to protect the patient confidentiality. Yeah, that's a good point to only disclose what is relevant to the therapeutic question maybe you're asking. And then obviously everything's HIPAA compliant. Just that it's not necessary, but it is out of an abundance of privacy and in confidentiality. And do you have to screen people? Is that Oh, part yeah. of your process mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. It's an application process. So when you apply, you have to provide us with your license information. Or if you are pre-licensed, you have to provide us with proof of your student or pre-licensed status. We are a private community just for clinicians. So we really take that seriously. Because you don't want any potential people that could be clients in there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a danger with Facebook groups too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No guarantees, right? Ah, so true. It's you don't so know true. who's in there, really. It's true. It's true. And we're not to. trying, you know, the whole point is that we, you know, the network, we know each other. We're, we don't want to be a large, large, large group because we want that familiarity. And that's what leads to quality consultations. When you, you know, see the same people showing up at your consultation group, you get to know them and you get to know 
what states they're in and their orient their theoretical orientations and perhaps you know their own boundary struggles and so that's what we really that's what leads to great feedback and great consultation is understanding and knowing the person in a broader context and so I, I don't that's very hard to achieve when there's uh, you know yeah. a revolving door of members or when there's too many members and so we're, we're not trying to do that. We're trying to create this high quality. Well, I would say we have created a high quality consultation community and we're not going to trade that for anything. <laughs> right. That's true. Because I know you mentioned too about last night, you were saying that is everybody comfortable with as many people in a group? Yeah. That seems to be like, that's a really strong focus for you. Yeah. How many people are there and, and how people feel after the consultation time. Yeah, it's so nice that you bring that up because that was something that was really just surprising to me. We had, and to give listeners a little clue in, normally on our consultation groups, because we have so many offerings, they usually end up being about four to eight people four to eight members attend each consultation group. And last night, our Monday night consultation group um, hosted by me, we had 13 and I was like shocked. We've never had that many people come to a single consultation group before across all of our consultation groups. And that was something that I am really thoughtful about of keeping the intimacy and the familiarity among members. And so we you know, at first I was like, Oh goodness, how is this going to go? There's 13 members I'm going on in my head. I'm like, should we break into two groups? And I eventually decided just to continue with 13 members because it was going well. And we were, we ended up getting four different people had clinical questions or consultation needs. We met all of the needs that were requested and it ended up being an incredible, one of the best consultation groups that I've attended. Yeah. Um, and I got to be there. <laughs> yeah. And I think it was because we had so many respectful and different perspectives, right? So, you know, people who spoke up, spoke up in high caliber quality responses and feedback, not just speaking up to fill dead space. And so at the end, I was thinking, I was like, wow, that went surprisingly really well for, uh, you know, over a dozen uh, attendees. And I asked for feedback and I said, you know, hey guys, like we hit a milestone. This was the largest attendees we've ever had, but, and this is something that I have been anticipating, but I want to get feedback on, on how, how was the member experience? Like, was this too many people? Would you have preferred a smaller group? Or did you feel like this group was beneficial as is? And everyone replied saying, no, this was a really good session and a really good amount of members. And that shocked me. I think when we think of consultation groups, we think smaller is better. And that is the case most of the time. But when you get such high caliber clinicians in a space together, you can have a dozen clinicians and have an excellent consultation group um, that might have been lacking if there had only been four. That's true. All the different perspectives and, you know, everybody's experiences are so different that just mm -hmm. really brought a different dynamic to it. Mm -hmm. So have you, in your experience so far, have you found that people have developed these deeper relationships, friendships through the group? 
Oh my gosh. Absolutely. We have, we have members who have started private practices together. We've had, Are you serious? Oh yes. Wow. Oh yes. We have, so we've been around for coming up on two years, just shy of two years now. We have members who have traveled across the country to visit each other. We have members who, you know, meet on a regular basis outside of the group. We nice. have members, I mean, who constantly refer to each other because they live near a state border and they need clinicians in the other state. Uh, yeah, no, we have a ton of endeavors that have become like network babies per se <laughs> come out of the <laughs> network. So yes, there are, the more you give in and the more you show up, there is absolutely a ton of relationships to be formed, friendships, even if you're looking for friendships to be formed within the network. It's incredible. It's incredible. So I know you mentioned some outside of the network. So when I looked yeah. down there, it said that, so there is some events like around the country where people can meet outside the network and well, we don't offer in-person events just yet, um, but we do have uh, some members who, you know, want to meet up in person uh, in real life. And so that is totally up to them. We see the network as just the catalyst and the starting point for these relationships. We're not, that would be so, I don't know, greedy or, or I don't know, just thinking <laughs> very highly of ourselves. If we, if I think and think all of your interaction should stay within the network. Absolutely not. That we are just the starting point for you to be able to meet people. We bring people together and what you do with it is up to you. Right. Yeah. So I guess, is there any kind of takeaway you could share today that would help listeners who might be considering joining consultation group? Yeah. Well, I think the first takeaway is consultations if not a consultation group, are an absolute mandatory part of our practice. It is in every license and regulatory body that we need to be seeking consultation because we are humans who use our humanness in our profession. And so we need to be um, regularly practicing blind spot check and staying up to date with best practices. And there's no better way to do that than with consultations. So I, I would say, I think it's something that we're all taught in graduate school. And then we go into the field and real life catches up with us. And it's something that so often falls by the wayside, but it is, you know, a part of our ethical guidelines to regularly seek consultation. So I would encourage anyone out there without a consultation network or colleagues to consult with to absolutely go and find your, your group, go find the people that you can build relationships with or already have relationships with that you can bounce clinical ideas, ethical dilemmas, or even personal reactions with. It is, it is, it is, it, I would say it is necessary for a part of ethical practice to have these types of consultations. Uh, so don't underestimate them. Don't think of them as superlifists or just unnecessary. They are an incredible part of ethical clinical practice and self-care. Yes. And I think it makes you a better therapist from the, my experience. I, I used to go to some in-person ones before the pandemic and, yeah. and sometimes, and you know, I'd bring something to the group and I was like, my God, I never even thought mm -hmm. of these ideas in the, my stretch of my imagination. So <laughs> it 
can bring you just like, oh, wow. So there's really some other dynamic ideas that make you a better therapist, a better learner too, because we're all learning, I feel, in this field and learning some new strategies or ways of looking at things to help clients. So it really is to benefit you and your clients, your overall practice. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Catherine, is there anything I've missed that you want to share? No, I think that we covered just yeah. about everything. Just thank you, Chris, for this opportunity yeah, um, thank you. and for being such a valuable member of the network. Like we are, the network is nothing without our members, right? So <laughs> <Of course. laughs> it's really awesome to have such a great group of multi-passionate clinicians who are so supportive and you are absolutely one of them. Yes. Thank you. And what's the best way for listeners to find you and learn more about you? Yeah. So we are at teletherapist.network on Instagram. And also our website is www.teletherapistnetwork.com. That's all one word. And um, yeah, we'd love to see you join the network and be part of our group. And I'll be putting that in the show notes as well for our listeners to find that. But thank you so much for coming on to the podcast, Catherine. Absolutely. Thank you, Chris. You reached the end of another episode of the Holistic Counseling Podcast. Come check out my newly released updated website at www.holisticcounselingpodcast.com. And you can check out past episodes, show notes, and a resource page filled with handpicked resources to support you and your practice. This is Chris McDonald sending each one of you much light and love. Till next time, take care. Thanks for listening to the Holistic Counseling Podcast. Ready to engage with other holistic counselors? Head on over to my Facebook group, the Holistic Counseling and Self-Care Group, where you'll be able to connect with other holistic counselors just like you. You'll also gain invaluable resources on holistic practices daily and connect with others in a fun, drama-free environment. Remember to tune in next Wednesday for another episode.